Welcome to Changing the Sales Game on webtalkradio.com. I am your host, Connie Whitman. You know, I'm happy that you're here. So as you listen to the show every week, a couple of things, right? I, I hope you feel my passion that my guests and I really do want to help you change your sales game and whatever that means to you. And the idea is, as we have our conversation, we share tips, strategies, ideas, and hopefully as soon as you're done listening to the show, you actually go and apply them. So to get your, you're in the, the zone of our conversation today, I'm going to start with my motivational quote, which is by Red Adair. And he says, or she says, if you think it's expensive to hire a professional, wait until you hire an amateur. Now, you know, the old saying penny wise, dollar foolish. I see it all the time where organizations hire to fill a job and not necessarily the perfect fit for long-term growth and the employer, the employee's growth as well. Now, the revolving door seems to be the circumstance we find ourselves in. I think I just find way too often. So is there a better way to hire the right people who will exceed your wildest dreams? Of course, the answer is yes. And of course, I have an amazing guest named Gabe Lulo. Gabe's expertise in sales, marketing, recruiting, and management began when he started his own business after graduation from the University of Hartford. He owned and operated his own sales training and marketing firm for more than a decade, and he excelled in training sales and marketing professionals. And additionally, Gabe has had a successful career in executive recruiting. Now, he's been instrumental in expanding the company search and placement for IT, software development, sales, customer success, marketing, executive leadership, and the list goes on. Gabe's most recent success has been with... um it's bit with his company called Ali Oop. We'll talk about that in a minute. For many years, he's been working to build and grow the company by focusing on culture, environment, customer success, and of course, sales. So Gabe, thank you for coming on and joining me today. Well, thank you very much, Connie. I'm really glad to be here and I'm super excited to uh, get into this with you. Yes, this is really important because our human capital kind of the backbone of yep. whether we're successful with business growth, sales, and all those other things, right? It's like we we, fit, we put the square peg in the round hole, ain't cool, and it ends up costing us so much money on the back end. So yeah, first question yeah. for you. Yeah. So first question, Gabe, is can you share just some insights into maybe the current trends and challenges that you're seeing in the world of sales and how they're actually impacting the need for recruiting and, and actually the training, right? And getting those good people. Yeah. So what Aliyup does and what we focus on is really the top of funnel in the sales cycle. And what I mean by that is appointment setting, demo creation, sales development. Um, you know, 20 years ago, SDRs weren't even a thing, right? It was account executives doing the whole sales uh, cycle and, and starting from prospecting to closing the deal. Um, software companies, tech companies were the, really the first businesses starting to adopt appointment setters and creating the role of sales development. And so we came in at right around that time to provide a outsourcing function for companies, big and small, to bring their appointment setters to us as opposed to having to figure out how to do it themselves. Because it truly is, I say the hardest part of sales, right, is getting someone to say yes to the first meeting. Um, getting money from them is usually uh, hard too, but you've been talking to them for a while up until that point. So starting the conversation is the hard part. And what companies typically do to your question is they're hiring kids out of college and 
kids out of, you know, bartenders and people green the sales for really the first and most important impression and, and, and most important part of the sales life cycle to do this job. And it's, it has the highest turnover in the sales space too. So if you look at the bridge report last year, over 60% of SDRs weren't at that company after 12 months. So if you're going to be churning half of the people you're hiring, um, you are obviously always looking for good people and it's hard to train them. And even though you do train them, then they go find a job across the street at one of your competitors. So Keeping that human capital going has been a really big challenge right now, um, and, and and hiring gap is really hard to handle in that space. Does that answer your question? It doesn't. And here's my next follow up to that: is are you seeing the as the next generation comes into play and and working? Is it becoming more difficult to fill positions? and and train them and and not only train them but getting them to stay or are the stick st- statistics with this you know next generation coming up are they even moving more frequently than say the millennials did are you seeing any stats on that yet we are and there's another thing that's really interesting to add to that is almost like you know we're all saying now post-covid post-covid but post-covid here right the whole return to work and a come back to the office and this mm-hmm. generation is like, no, right? They're just like, I'm not going back to an office. Or maybe they're starting their career and, uh, you know, now, and they're like, why would I go work in an office when I can do all of these things remote? Um, so we're a remote first company. All of our employees are fully remote. We're fully US based. But what we're finding is that our clients are having a really big need to not only keep the uh, retention higher and keep the employees in, in force, but they're having a hard time bringing them back to the office and they're kind of don't eat, don't know what to do with that. So yeah, it, it is very challenging, but at the end of the day, it's also more challenging because um, they're, they're not excited. The, a lot of our sales teams, our clients are not excited about the remote world because it's hard to manage remote, especially for an entry level type sales job um, because you're also not hiring a lot of them either. Right. So doing the engineering, doing in software development remotely is a lot easier to do because you're sitting in front of your computer programming all day long. But having conversations and listening to people and making sure they're doing the right thing on the phone and in the email, it's hard to manage that more remotely uh, than not. And so that's what we what we specialize in. And that's what we're uh, seeing right now with our clients. Because Gabe, think about it, you know, working remote and I'm not judging either way, hybrid, all remote, all, you know, live, it does, there's no judgment here, but these kids, I feel, and I see it, I have a 24 and a 27 year old. Yeah. I see the, 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 their interpersonal and they have me as mom. So they're, you know, lucky in my world, they're lucky in their world. They think, oh my God, have her for a mom for a day. But here my point is. My kids are really good with interpersonal skills because when they were little, you know, we'd go to hockey and they'd see the dad and we go, okay, you go up, you shake hands, you lean, you look them in the eye and you say, Hey, it's right. good to see you. Right. Or whatever. How many kids aren't, don't have that because they don't have a right. parent, right? Who does what I do for a living, the interpersonal skills. And now we're talking about sales to engage someone on the phone to get them to agree to their time now to, to set up a time to meet. Are you seeing that as part of the training that? Did you always have it maybe and it, or is it amplified or has there been any change with that? I'm just curious. 
Yeah, I just did a post on LinkedIn about this, about introverts and how introverts are great at sales development. Um, but it's very different. You have to manage them so differently. Uh, I, uh, I think I'm an introvert in sheep's clothing. So I pretend to be an extrovert, right? <laughs> or an extrovert, excuse me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the big tricks, cause again, we're, we're a training company. We train our, 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 these reps, right? Of course, every day, but, one of the big training topics when we're bringing on a new salesperson is uh, personality training and understanding different people and why they do the things that they do and understanding their personas and how to respond and react to that on live phone calls. And so trying to pull that extrovert, um, you know, people, uh, interpersonal EQ, right? All of that stuff out of uh, people of this generation remotely is interesting. So what we do is we are very video focused. Um, every time we make phone calls internally, we're on video. Uh, when we do all of our hands-on, uh, you know, hands uh, all hands meeting, our town halls, we're all on video. Um, we do like power-ups in the morning where we're like just checking in with your team captain and kind of going over your goals for the day. You know, if you're in an office, you go around the cubicle when I used to have an office and I go around the sales floor and my coffee and high five everybody's good to see you how are things how was the weekend right what, 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 are you, what are you working on today what you focusing on today and doing that eye to eye contact is super important so how do you do that in a remote world right well we do it with a recorded video so what we do is actually actually everyone in our company get on a, on a recorded video and, and go through looking in the camera what i'm what i'm doing today how i'm doing today how i'm feeling today what, what i'm what i'm struggling with today and so we use, try to use a video as much as possible to keep that culture and that human interaction up as much as we can. And we have to do it. It's important. The interpersonal yeah. skills, especially in the sales world, if you're right. not connecting, because you know, right, with the iceberg, 95% of our connectivity to other humans is emotional and subconscious. It's not conscious. So if I'm awkward and I'm staggering to think of the right words and, you know, my body language is off, it's going to, it's going to come out through the verbal, right? Yeah. So all of these things are so important. And, I almost think that COVID forced us to learn how to amplify personality, communication skills, whatever, however you want to phrase it, because on Zoom, you're losing the lower part of the body from a body language perspective. Yeah. But I'm sorry. I think most of our body language and how we're being perceived is really through our hands and through our facial expression. So this is important that they need to develop the skill on Zoom because it's still going to come through whether you're on the phone or if, if you're actually in a video conference of some sort. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're a pro and I can see like you and I right now framing from a cropping standpoint is actually almost identical. So if you can see us, you know, you would be seeing, you know, us literally, you can see, you know, shoulders and everything in my hands. But what we do, what we decided to do for this exact reason, so super small, but it changed the world of our culture. If you look at a laptop, right? And you look down in a laptop on a computer, you get that nostril effect, right? You got the camera sticking up in your nostril, right? You're, you got your head only, right? You only see the person's face. Or and you got, this, water, where's you, know, you got a face and a nostril. Like, frankly, that's not a very good way of communicating, right? Video wise. So we've taken it a step further, not just do we do video, but we also bought anyone who doesn't have an external webcam, a $50 webcam in the whole company. So they can place their webcam in, in a structure where 
where it actually looks like you're sitting across someone's desk and I can use my hands and I can do my body language and I can, you know, I'm Italian. So I, I speak with my hands. Right. But the reality is, is like, we do this type of, you know, body language and communication is so important. Read any book on how, how body language is so much more valuable than just the spoken word. And yeah, we, we, we actually create that type of what we call camera ready experience because if we're going to be remote only and we're going to, you know, work around the world where we do want to interact as, as humanly as possible, especially in sales, right? So that's why we do it the way we do it. It's, it works because I you know when I'm yeah. in networking and there's 20 people, you, you know, you're a little, little, little tiny thumbnail and right. inevitably I'll get in the chat. Can, can you give me your email? I haven't even met these people, right? I'm just sitting there listening like everybody else yeah. behaving, trying to behave anyway, but I'll get in the chat. I'd love, can you, do you have an email? I'd love to connect with you. I, I, I could see your energy and I laugh because they, I'm sitting here. I'm not doing anything. They can feel the, but, but think about it, right? They, my eyes, maybe the speaker speaking and maybe I, I nodded my head with something they said. So all of those movements are shown and come through even on the webcam or, or the camera yeah. of the computer. Um, it, it, it matters. It all matters, right? At the end of the day. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, look at the news and look at all the, you know, the, the people on TV. It's like, you know, we're not movie stars, but it feels like it sometimes, right. We're all like TV people. Like we're now at the end of the day, like this is our way of communicating is, you know, a microphone and a camera. And so I'm not going to tell you what kind of shoes I'm wearing because I'm wearing flip flops, but the reality is like we're on microphones and cameras all day long and uh, that's how it works. But it's, you know, we've been seeing it on TV our whole lives. And now we're just doing it that way. And it's different, but there are things that you can do. Camera position, external cameras, you know, getting good quality audio, like, you know, zooming out, like those little things are super important. And, um, you know, that's how we're, that's how we're doing it, uh, to our, to our clients, to our prospects. And yeah. what's interesting is when we're, we're presenting our information and our programs to our clients, we're like, Oh, these guys got their shit together, you know, and it's cool. Absolutely. Showing up prepared matters too, right? What yeah. are some of the, what are some of the key qualities or skills that you look for when you're recruiting the sales professionals? And, you know, how do you identify those potential, that potential in a candidate to, you know, move them forward to one of your clients? So the things we look for are the things that aren't on the resume, you know, and, and the resume I think right now is just you know, really a guide to start the conversation and then digging into the interpersonal skills and really how, when the rubber meets the road, when they're pushing the corner, when they're backed is against the wall, like how do they respond and react? So a big question I like to ask is, Hey, tell me an example of what, you know, what you had to deal with personally or professionally where you were told no, or you were getting rejected, or it wasn't going your way, or you're dealing with an angry customer. And I want to hear examples. Sometimes good people who can interview already automatically know that, but I always try to lead with, Hey, give me an example, right? I don't want to hear just, Oh, wow. I was the 120% in my company last month. Like, great. Like we probably wouldn't be interviewing that because we saw that on the resume, but what did you do when it wasn't working? Right. What did you, what did you tell me about what you did when you were the worst rep in the company and how you got to the best rep in the company? And that's what I want to see. I want to see those people with grit. I want to see how we can get grit out of those conversations. I want to see people who are just kind of, you know, on scrappy underdogs 
those are people we'd like to hire in this role. Um, you know, cause those are the ones that are knocking on the doors and making a lot of phone calls and, you know, hearing the word no seven, eight times out of 10. And we want to know how you're going to respond to that type of rejection. Does it motivate you? And do you come out swinging or do you call it a day and try to get out as early as possible? You know what I mean? Yeah, it matters. And, and, you know, the no's are part of the job. So yeah. early in my career, right? 40 years ago, I would hear the, the every no brings you closer to a yes. And yeah. I believed it because statistically, you can't get yeah. a no 100% of the time, but you can't get a yes 100% of the time. Right. Those no's, it's like, already, I'm on to the next one. This might be my yes. Um, I love that question, by the way, that you asked. And my, you know, my kids are 24, 27. My older son, he was diagnosed in second grade with a very slight auditory processing, you know, issue. Mm-hmm. And in one of the first interviews after grad, he played hockey, collegiate, you know, I mean, the whole thing. He's he's brilliant. So he that school helped to master, right, the tools he needed to adjust with his auditory processing. Well, fast forward, he gets in an interview on Zoom, had his suit on, probably yeah. had shorts on, but he had his suit on, you know, Perfect. with a tie. And the yeah, it was cute. And the um, executive, one of the executives, there's like five people interviewing him. So talk about stress. Right. But he said to him, tell me something that's not on your resume. That's been a challenge for you that you had to overcome. So my son, you know, was very transparent and said I had this, you know, auditory processing. And he said, but here's the thing. I had to work harder than every other kid in school because they were getting right. A's and I'm still home studying. Right. And I had a lot of failures to figure out how to adjust, et cetera. You know, and as a college grad playing college hockey, all of those things, it, the, the executive said, I didn't expect that answer. Thank right. you for being so transparent. So then later on, it was like one of his first interviews. My son said, did I do the right thing? I said, you did the right thing. If that, if that person doesn't want to hire you because you have an auditory processing, when you've not only overcome it, but surpassed it because you had to work 100% harder than everybody else, you should be the one they're hiring. I said, I'm so proud of you for being vulnerable like that. He goes, Ma, it just felt like the right answer. But right, right. that's that's what we're looking for, those authentic answers that aren't going to show up on a resume. 100%. I mean, we all like the movie Rudy, right? You know, maybe I'm oh. dating myself, but... You know, yeah. who's not going to hire Rudy? You know, he, he's be the best salesperson in the world. And so like, but we don't know that on a resume. You actually, if you had it on a resume, he sat the bench the whole time, you probably wouldn't want to interview him. But yep. once you start learning about the story and learning about his experience and what he had to go through, like, okay, sign me up. He's my first guy. Cause I bet you he'll be the top guy in our company, you know, in the next three to six months. So uh, a- absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's just, so there's a guy that we hired years ago and he had uh, at age 21, a stroke and uh, he literally almost died and he was in the hospital and, and it was, it was crazy what happened to him. And, and he was telling me this in the interview process. And frankly, he, he didn't look good on the resume. He had like a customer service job, never did sales, kind of worked at a gym. And uh, he told me this whole story and how much he really needed this only child taking care of his mom. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, I almost felt bad, but I like he, this guy had so much grit and has persevered so much at such a young age. We hired him. Now here's the, here's the funny part. He was really, really bad. <laughs> so I was looking, I was going around the cubicles on the sales floor and I was like, Hey, where is this guy? Where is this guy? And literally he was under his desk making phone calls. Uh, sitting under his desk making phone calls because he was so so shy and so nervous for his colleagues to hear him on the phone. 
And I, I literally gave him the conference room key so he can make calls in there because he was so shy. Well, fast forward after 90 days of doing that and coaching and working with him, he was the number one rep for two years in a row. Every month, number one rep for two years in a row. And it made a ton of money. And it was all, and we hired him, but it was because of that story. And it was really interesting. You know, we think it's all about the numbers and it is about the numbers and sales. Sure. It's really about the behaviors because, and you coached him, you saw something, he was, he was raw and you were able yeah. to really coach him to become the superstar because he had the grit underneath. He just needed the refinement. And that's part of our job as leaders in this industry. Right. We have to coach people to the next level. It doesn't just happen by accident. And I don't know about right. you, but I see this often. Some of the leaders shouldn't be leaders. <laughs> Because it's like, well, you went through training. Why aren't you doing it? Because the learning happens once you get trained. Now you're doing it live. You need people to listen to you say, oh, you said this. That was really good. Let's change it to this. Let's add this to the piece of the puzzle. If you're not getting that constant feedback and upgrade, if you will, almost to the operating system within what you're learning and, and executing, what are we doing? We're setting, we're right. setting people up for failure. And now they're going home. Well, oh, I suck. I'm never getting a sales job again. Meanwhile, it could be that kid that yeah. became the superstar and was able to make a lot of money. And oh, by the way, take care of his family. So right. right it, it, we have to see, we have to play the longer game, I think, in sales. And we have to get away from what did you do for me today and really look at what is the true potential of the client, of the employee, of the team, of the organization, you know, all of those pieces of the puzzle matter behaviors drive the numbers we can't just look at numbers anymore yep i totally agree i mean it's a secret it's a recipe but i think what i also am seeing like we just actually announced um the new incentive plans for the month for the, the final quarter of the year and i think a lot of managers just do that too right they just throw bigger and bigger carrots in front of people and thinking they're good managers right like so like not only did we put together a phenomenal incentive program uh, for the fourth quarter, but we know that we're also supporting them along the way. We're not just saying, oh yeah, we'll give you more PTO and more money and a big screen TV. Okay, great. So, so what, you know, it's like do those things. Sure. Incentivize. Sure. But just don't think you're a good manager because you're throwing carrots against people. You got to support them. You got to back them up. Uh, and you got to tell them when they're messed up because people want to know when they're messing up. It's okay to tell them that, hey, this was a bad call, but you got to be good, bad before you're good, you know, and you got to be good before you're great and let them know it's okay and it's normal to be bad. Um, and it's my job to get you to not be bad and help you along the way. It's interesting because everybody thinks money is the motivator. And that's not always true. You know, all the stats right. show you, you know, Gallup's always doing these, these um, surveys. And it's the attaboys, right? It's the pat on the back. It's those coaching. It's that reinforcement. It's that you've got this. We're going to work together. We're going to get you there. That understanding of that empathy is more important oftentimes than the money. Listen, some people, you know, probably 20% of the people in sales are just out for the money. But I believe that 80% really, really wants to do a good job, wants to please the boss, the company. And really wants to show up for the client. That's the reward. And hey, man, I can make some good money while I'm doing this. Wow. I have a really good job, right? I love what I do. We have the, yeah. we have the ability to create that kind of uh, synergy within an organization. 
Yeah. You know, everyone like the, the love languages, right? It's a big buzz. Like all these are the love languages. Well, it's the same thing with sales. Like what motivates you? Right. And everyone thinks it's money, money, money. Listen, I'm a money motivated guy, but I'll tell you what my mentor said to me a long time ago. He said, people will work for money, but people will die for recognition. And it's like the attaboys, the, the pat on the backs, the great jobs that your name and light to the top 10 at the end of the month. Right. You know, reviewing your name, you know, in the sales kickoff. Yeah. Money's great. But knowing that, hey, I, I was the best this quarter. I was the best. And then having, and then once you get all that recognition, people like the person who emailed you and say, hey, can I get your email? Right. Or ask you for the email on the call because now they come to you wanting for help and support and then turning around and helping other people. And that's when you automatically go, oh, crap, I'm now a leader. I got to get better at this. I got to now start teaching people how to do it. So I got to learn how to teach. Right. And going that way. It's all good though, right? It's all skill development. Yeah. It makes this, you know, right. with Steve Jobs, with, people say, and especially young people, right? That, that follow me and, and in my client, my corporate clients have a lot of young people coming in. Sure. So they'll say to me, well, what's the next step? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you do it? I don't know. And they I'm just you know, trying to they figure it out. <laughs> trying to figure every day, man, we're trying to figure it out. But here's the thing. And, and I love that it was one of the Ivy Leagues that Jobs, before he passed, had spoken at, obviously, before he passed. Uh, that was ca- Captain Obvious here today, uh, Gabe. But he said, he said, you know, you look at what's my next step. And he says to this graduating class, I can look back now and go, ah, oh, all the steps made sense. But at yeah. the time, it's like, that's crapshoot. Am I doing the right thing? I don't know. Let me take the step. The right. thing is, when you're in motion, it's easy to shift around than going from a static position. So taking the step, whether it's good or bad, and you said, even if you mess up really bad, you're going to yep. learn from that and go, I'm never doing that again. And that yeah. projects you forward. So when you do look back, all of those steps make perfect sense, right? Yeah. I think everyone's like wondering or asking, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go left? Do I go right? What should I do? Should I go left? What do you think? Do you think I should go left? I don't know. The gurus are saying going left. And my response is just go forward. Like stop figuring, like just move forward and, do uh, and don't look left or right and, and you'll figure it out. Um, you know, and, and you'll get support along the way. Yeah. What, what are the most common mistakes or misconceptions that you see? And, you know, then so you see them, but then in translation, how do you adjust for them, train them and, and get them to not be issues? Right. But what, what are, I bet you see some common mistakes. Um, For for like new salespeople, the common mistakes that I'm seeing. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing I always say this is, you know, going back to numbers is people aren't willing to put in the work like you have to. You know, make up in numbers what you lack in skill. And what I mean by that is you have to come into a company and and really judge yourself next to the other people. I know that's not cliche the right thing to say, like, oh, just judge yourself. But at the end of the day, like if you got five people on your team and they're making a hundred calls a day, make two hundred calls. Mm-hmm. Like come in there and outwork everybody else because two things are gonna happen. Um, one, you're gonna learn a lot because you're gonna be failing more. And you're going to really get better and you're going to kind of get those calluses that you know, emotional calluses that you need to go through that rejection. And then your attitude is just going to change. You're like, wow, you know, my attitude is really, really positive. And you're, you're not focusing on the nose. You're focusing on getting those good results. And I just think coming in and just working really, really hard at, at the beginning is something you focus on. I think what most, the biggest mistakes is people try to be like experts day one and mm-hmm. it's like learn 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 
And it's like, I appreciate all that, but you don't have to be a subject matter expert to be good at, at, at this. And you just need to have a good attitude. And you have to work your tail off. And so I always, there's something I like to say, I'd rather, you know, see ignorance on fire than knowledge on ice, yeah. right? Ignorance on fire. Like I'm all day. I, I want to talk to someone because they're exciting to talk to. And, um, to somebody who has like all these facts and figures and is boring, it's just not exciting to me. So I think a lot of people think of the wrong things are the most important things. Yeah. And it, we have to be competitive and I, and I, listen, yeah. everybody isn't yeah. wired competitively. Right. So I know that's, I think why sales found me or I ended up, it was by accident. It's not like I was in college and oh yeah, I'm going to be in sales and I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. Never even dawned on me that that's what I was going to do. Right. It found me, but here's the thing. I'm competitive. So if you were, you were in my territory and you were beating me, oh, that was not okay. I 100%. doubled down double down to every time because I want my name to be at the top of the leaderboard and not, it wasn't the money. Yes. The right. money came. It was because I'm so freaking competitive. I thought, Oh no, no. When, when they call or when there's conferences, Oh, I'm going, I'm going to be there. People are going to know me good or bad. Right. It wasn't about the money for me. It was about the recognition and about being valued. And, and I'll share something else. When you said, don't, you don't have to be the subject matter expert. I remember when I worked for one of the uh, banks and I was a financial advisor and one of my colleagues, our offices were right next to each other. She did wealth. So she did 500,000 and up and I did under the half a million. And I remember one time I went in, I had one of the lenders had sent me a business client and he had maybe 250 with our bank. My gut though was saying, ah, this dude, he's, I know he's got more money. So I went in and I said to her, listen, let's be efficient here. We got to make money. We got to honor the right. client. Can you go on the call with me? She did. It ended up being hers. This client loved us because we saved him time. We saved him effort. And meanwhile, we still made the money. I got the referral for bringing her in and he gave us referrals. He gave us both referrals and started to introduce us to his friends. Well, fast forward. She was the number one rep in wealth. I was the number one financial advisor in the bank. And there were, right. you know, hundreds. And so finally, the two division heads came to us and said, what are, you, what are you guys doing down there? And so we shared and they said, can you come to the different regions and share your story? We said, sure, of course, we love it. Our name was getting known. We right. go, we share our story. Here's the punchline game. Guess how many of the other teams, the financial advisors, wealth managers, guess how many of them did what her name is Debbie, what Debbie and I did. Guess how many? Not many. <laughs> None. None. Unbelievable. None. It was that poverty mentality. I'm not giving yeah. her the lead because if I could still walk away 100%. with my three or 400,000, I'm making the money. Meanwhile, yep. we were going to the bank like we, right. were, we were making good money and we were doing the right thing and we were exactly. supporting each other as well. Like it was such a great experience. And then that's how we both got into leadership and we became SVPs. And while yeah. the other ones were still the reps, right, because we learned, we grew, we shared, we experienced, we taught, we did all of those leadership skills that we forget. And we think it's right. It's about it's, it's about the numbers. It is about the numbers, but it, the behaviors really do drive the numbers. We're almost out of time. Yeah, you, but said, I, I, you said the name twice. You said the word twice experience. Like, I think that was the biggest part is you made the experience happen for the client. And then they came back with all these referrals. And then, you know, those were obviously well worth it, but more easy to close, of course. But, you know, it's all about the experience. And I think that's attitude and drive is, is there. But to your point, 
if you're if you're in sales and you're not competitive, you're not you shouldn't be in you're not gonna be in sales very long. So yes. you know you, there's no participation awards here, right? You got you got to compete, and you got and you got to have healthy and not cutthroat like that company was, but more of a uh, you know collective competition, which what you guys were doing, which is great. And and here's the kicker: why everybody's like, how are you doing so well? The leads I were getting from her weren't twenty five thousand; they were four hundred thousand. Right, right at your <laughs> threshold, their top of your threshold, exactly. It was, it, yeah, so I we ended up working a heck of a lot less and made a heck of a lot more because the yeah. numbers did play into the equation. But you got to do the right thing, and that's a 100%. I think that's another thing in sales we have a bad rap. But when you do the right thing, it differentiates you from the competitors out there, and it really makes you shine so bright and beautiful that people do want it. You're, you're sought out then, right? People want to do business with you. Right. My friend, we have, I think we have more shows than us. I don't know if you're game or not. I love your energy and I love your thoughtful answers. Last minute that we have, is there any tip where you see um, sales people, sales teams, and that they need your help? What would be the the catalyst for them to say, holy crap, I need to talk to Dave and his team. What would that yeah. be for that trigger, if you will? Well, there's really two types of companies. There's companies that have big sales teams already. And for them, I would say, listen, you know, if your account executives are spending any more than 60% of their day prospecting, stop doing that immediately. You're mm-hmm. burning money and you should be able to hire a company like us or build your own uh, of a sales development function that will absolutely uh, make you more money. It may sound weird that you're, you're, you're hiring two salespeople now instead of one. Well, reality, like you, your team worked together with you and your friend. It's the same concept here. Having two people work that deal and having and obeying their role will mm-hmm. yield you a, a ton of revenue. If you're a newer company and you've never done this before and you know that you need you may be like a founder-led sales type of company and you need a sales development engine or an outbound engine, don't try to figure it out by yourself. It'll be super expensive. Uh, you know, that's why you probably outsource your marketing. It's probably why you outsource your HR. It's probably why you outsource your accounting firm, right? So outsource your sales development. It's it's no different than outsourcing any other function in your business. A lot of people don't know it's possible. And then companies like ours will help you build it so it's eventually under your culture and your brand and your umbrella. So that's my advice for both of those types of of, of clients. Small business owners, because I know some small, I have executives, obviously, that follow me because most of my clients are on the corporate side. But for the small business owner, they, they're they really good at selling their stuff because it's yeah. their baby. They've created it. They know it. They could talk. They're passionate, right? W- does that work, with what you're saying, for that, that one-man shop almost? Because now yeah. if I can send that, that resource yeah. out, my time is spent making the money then. Right. Well, it's right. interesting. It's the number one thing we hear from a, a founder-led sales, which we call a uh, person, is like, "Hey, my no one can do what I can do. No one knows me, my brand, my product, my tech, my service better than me." Well, that's a good thing about a sales development rep. We're not trying to be you. We're actually promoting you. Right. We're the trailer to the movie, and you're the movie, and we're the trailer. Love. Right. We're not going to say this is the end of the, of the movie and the trailer that would ruin the movie. We're not going to give the best parts of the movie in the trailer. We're just going to be a punchy, quick two to three minute call that will give you the high level overview of what you do and why it's important to talk to you. And it actually edifies those 
experts and those leaders even more. So when they do have those conversations, they're hearing that conversation from a, you know, an authority, from a consultant type of approach, and it actually elevates the calls, not uh, takes it away. Love it. Love it. Right. Having the right people doing the right job. And then we get to do our job. Exactly. Right, and amplify your role. No one, exactly. Yeah. No one could do it better than me. Right. No one could do nope. it better than you. But yep. we can have somebody. I love that. A movie trailer. That was such yeah. a good um, visual. So that was great. Well, Alley um, is the name of our company. So if you're a basketball fan, you know what it is. Right. We're not the deal. We're not slam dunking. We're not the show. We're not. The, we're not. the You know, the Michael Jordan. We're the Scottie Pippen. We're the ones that throwing it up in the air. You're coming in and slamming it. You know what I mean? So it's like we're the alley oop. And that's how our focus is. And that's what our brand is all about. I love it. Again, visual just so, and fun, visual and fun at the same time. So, yeah. guys, if you have a question, reach out to Gabe directly. It's Gabe Lulo. So it's G-L-U-L-L-O at Alleyoop. Dot io and i will put all of this in the show notes so don't well, panic if you're driving right that you're listening website is alleyoop.io i love alleyoop i love saying it. it's a fun alleyoop.io yeah. <laughs> i need to get a life right and then i know um nicole and i were talking your your manager your your vp of of i guess marketing and she's going to send me a link you probably don't know what that is so you don't know what that is, right, Gabe? Because she no. and I literally talked five minutes before. Okay. So everybody listening, I promise you there's going to be a free gift. So if you're curious, um, the show notes, it will have the link to the free gift. Check it out. Um, if you're the least bit twinge of this guy sounds pretty cool to me. I highly recommend getting that free gift and then you'll get on his email list and you'll be able to, he'll be able to nurture you. So you get to know who he is, what Alleyoop is all about and potentially how we can help you. So again, look for that link. All the links will be in the show note show notes uh, for you for easy finding. Okay. Gabe, thank you so much. Um, just a great show. This is important. It, to me, it's the first step of the sales process of getting right. the leads. People say to me, I need help with the sales conversation, right? That's my zone of genius. Great. How many, how many, what's your ratios? They look at me and they go, well, I get one call a month. Well, there's your problem. Right. <laughs> Forget about hiring me. You need to get leads in the door and then we can work on what, how to, what is that process of having the better conversations, cross selling referrals, all of the, but you got to get the leads in the door. So Gabe is your guy. Thanks so much, Connie. Okay, thanks again uh, for being on. I think you're amazing. Okay, you guys, I hope you will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together, no matter where you are in changing your sales game. My guest, Gabe, and I, we, we share these tips, ideas, strategies, thoughts even. Sometimes just a shift in thought can be exponentially helpful. So some of the ideas and things that we talked about today, I do hope that you take that information and apply it. Information is a beautiful thing. If you do nothing with it, it's just information. We start applying it. That's when we start getting reactions and action is what we need to be the catalyst to make the change we're looking for. So again, thank you for listening to Changing the Sales Game with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.com. I truly am honored to have you on this journey of changing your sales game. And I always hope my guests and I share something thought provoking for you to stop listening after, after stopping listening to the show that you have an action that you can actually take. I love you all. I will see you all next week. Have a great week. Be inspired. Turn it on, man. Shine your light. I love you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. 
Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with your friends. Tune in every week for more exciting insights and strategies on increasing your business's ROI. And always remember, lead with heart and your sales will follow. Oh, 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 oh,